You are Locked On Bears, your daily Chicago Bears podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back for another crossover edition, Locked On Packers, Locked On Bears. I'm Peter Bukowski, host of Locked On Packers with Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears. We have a great show for you. Rivalry Week is back, Green Bay and Chicago. Today's episode is brought to you by On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, and it's the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 for more information or search Super Bowl on location. And, of course, we'd like to thank everyone who makes Locked on Packers or Locked on Bears their first listen of the day. Lauren, this was... um, very different the first time around because these two teams, at least uh, in Chicago's case, there was a lot more optimism around this team. Um, what when we did this the first time, I, I would say that Justin Fields' optimism has not necessarily waned, but this Bears team finds itself in a very different position for this season. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a tough spot, and it's a, a familiar spot though for Bears fans, especially now going into this game. You know, not really knowing exactly who the quarterback is going to be injury-wise. Fields, you know, practicing on a limited basis, but Matt Nagy's kind of said rib injury is something that's more about pain tolerance at this point that, you know, when he's when he's ready to go out there, they're not going to risk, like, injury. They're only, when, when they know it's strong enough, then it's just a matter of whether he can put up with it. So it's like, are we going to get the Dalton experience? And they've been so banged up at receiver, and the defense is missing some of their top players. And it, it was already a team that was struggling to put together consistency. And then when you add up a, a lot more injuries on top of that, a very minimal optimism if any, in this game, compared to last time when at least the Bears had won a couple of games back-to-back, and even though Green Bay was still hot at the time, too, there was still some some thought there that maybe they might just be able to pull something off. At that point, not going to hear much of that discussion this week. No, the Packers opened the week as 12.5-point favorites on Bet Uh It is still the Sunday night game because Packers-Bears is always going to rate. So, uh, like I said, a lot has changed over the last few weeks since these teams last met. The Bears are now four and eight. In all likelihood, they are not going to pull off some sort of miracle run here at the end of the year and make the playoffs. So what what are you looking for now, week to week, not just in this game, but in any game going, okay, I, I'm, I'm hoping to see this from, whether it's this player, this side of the ball, what are you now trying to glean out of this in these games? It's definitely one of those situations where you look to the to younger players and say, okay, where are, their, where are their guys getting better and developing in these games, even when they might not matter all that much. But the Bears are still taking this from the standpoint of like, what, you know, of course, the cliche one week at a time or whatever, but also like they aren't, they're only like a game or two out of a playoff spot. And like, it's an insurmountable schedule at this point and, and odds to be able to make the playoffs and kind of do anything with it. But because they haven't been mathematically eliminated, the team is still able to sort of harness some of that motivation, still feel like they do have maybe some odds of something to play for. And I think there is still pretty good buy-in from the locker room in terms of actually you know, not necessarily fully believing in Matt Nagy as the long-term head coaching answer, but at least believing in each other and their teammates to say, this is what we really want to and have to play for. But in terms of like specifically, of course, as soon as Justin Fields is back on the field, that is 
priority number one. It has been pretty much all season, but especially now when the, when the playoffs are out of that discussion. You don't want to rush him back out there and get more injured and, and have any sort of negative consequences from him being out on the field, but that's definitely going to be spot number one. And then it's spot number two is just kind of this defense as a whole with a you know first-year defensive coordinator. They've struggled quite a bit with you know, with injuries, but then also just with, with guys not playing well. Eddie Jackson still has not had a really a strong game at all this season, has been particularly poor. You're, you're waiting for him to turn around. They've got this rotation of guys at cornerback. You're looking for some young player somewhere to maybe step up and look like some kind of potential difference maker for the future. And they've got a couple of other young guys, you know, edge rusher, offensive tackle, a few spots here and there running back too, that, you know, you just want to kind of see more things to leave you optimistic for those guys moving in because they're going to have a lot of turnover on this roster this offseason. So uh, as you look at the off or at, at the off season, but as you look at the schedule, the, 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 excuse me, let me try and speak, Lauren. I'm so sorry. <laughs> as you look at this roster heading into the off season, is there, is there a, a way that you would approach moving forward? And I mean, structurally organizationally, because they're going to have a new head coach in all likelihood. We will see about the general manager um, if you want to offer your thoughts on Ryan Pace, feel free, but just like this team is built to do what, and therefore they need to do what else this off season. Well, that's, that's the problem, right? I think I, the numbers I'd seen, and I don't remember if these are exactly right, but I think they have currently have 26 players under contract for next year. And, and I think projected $44 million of salary cap space. I mean, they have one wide mm -hmm. receiver. Is Darn Darn Moon is the only one who's under contract. They don't have a center or a right guard under contract for next season. They've got, I mean, they've got, and then a bunch of holes on the defense. They, they have a lot of work to do and not a lot of money to do so, which is, again, quite a, a significant reflection on that head, on that general manager, excuse me, as to why it seems like, you know, you're, you're ready to move on from him, at least from a fan base perspective, right? It's, it's tough because, like, if, if Justin Field is the real deal, Ryan Pace deserves credit for going and getting him, and he's done a good job of finding, you know, late-round draft picks that have played really well. Darnell Mooney, Eddie Jackson, you know, sure. Adrian Amos of the Green Bay Packers. I mean, Bilal Nichols, they've had a lot of those fourth, fifth, and sixth-round guys that have played well, and, and the general manager deserves credit for that. You know, he's not the worst GM in the NFL by any means, but there's enough of those free agent busts and financial mishandlings or just pushing that salary cap into the future because he's from the New Orleans Saints sort of general managing tree and really following suit in their financial uh, salary cap management that just he definitely has has held this team back in a lot of ways and made enough mistakes that have certainly helped make life more difficult for Matt Nagy who also hasn't done great too so they really I think they, they really should share the blame but Ryan Pace has done a great job of distancing himself from that so far and kind of Everyone's only talking about fire Matt Nagy, fire Matt Nagy. The fans aren't chanting fire Ryan Pace, and I think he's strategically avoided some of the blame here pretty pretty intelligently. Let me throw uh, two names at you, coaching-wise, and tell me what you think. These are not necessarily the guys that I would pick, but guys that I think would appeal to Chicago given the way ownership has talked about um, the head coach position in the past. Uh, and, and they're kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in a way. But one is Doug Peterson, a Super Bowl winning head coach. Um, I, I, I had brought him up to you in the past and you said, well, but is that too close to Matt Nagy because of the, the history there? And then the other, we'll see what's going on in the Pacific Northwest. But the other that I have sort of trolled Bears fans with before, but I actually think if he is available, would be appealing to Chicago is Pete Carroll. I, 
I was surprised neither one of those was Jim Harbaugh, and then I was also surprised neither one was Sean Payton because those are the two that Bears <laughs> fans kind of have have circled. Yeah, um, interesting. I I think. I mean, I th- I think both of those names would be would be interesting, and I mean, like you, you sort of hinted at, like I don't know that there's going to be this appetite to go to a, immediately to another Andy Reid offshoot running a very similar offense, just with a, a different voice and a different mentality. I mean, it would be different, but is it is it fresh enough for to sell Bears fans? Because I think that's what it comes down to with ownership is like they they seem to care a lot about public perception and for for I was gonna say right. for better and for worse, but it's pretty much always for worse for the most part there. So like so I you know I don't I I mean you could you could sell the hey like Super Bowl champion thing, but he's also got the Nick right. Foles connection, you know, so it's like well and Nick Foles is still supposed to be under contract. He's full, gu- fully guaranteed contract next season unless they can find somebody to take him. So, like, there's 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 enough of those lingering connections to Doug that it, it's hard for me to to see them doing they really it. Really, don't want to fire Ryan Pace on. Huh? Wow. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it, it's it's like I think you could make some pretty good arguments as to why Doug would be a decent hire. I just don't think perception wise that would be as good. Pete Carroll, on the other hand, I, I think they could I think they could easily really get into if if he became available. I mean, the, the pedigree is there, but it's enough of a removal from what they have, and just he's sort of a, a little bit more. You know, tough kind of old school. I mean, not he's not old school culture this, builder. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He he's writing the ship a little bit more. And I mean, not that the Bears completely need to, you know, completely change everything about what they were doing. Nagy was able to make the playoffs twice, and they're not they're not building up from scratch necessarily. But you know, he could he could be a guy that's not going to put too much of the pressure on Justin Fields and want to build some things around him. And of course, uh, strong defenses they've had in Seattle would always go over well in Chicago. Who would you hire? You know, it feels like it's a bad time in the coaching cycle a little bit where it's like, okay, it does. you know, Dable in, in Buffalo is kind of, I mean, he's had his ups, but he's had some real downs again this season and Allen's kind of been up and down and how much do you trust I mean, one I good mean, year that? Yeah, I mean, right, exactly. Or like, you know, Harbaugh even, like he's been terrible at Michigan for years. So now he's got one good year. <laughs> is that enough to say, yep, make him my head coach? And of course, Joe Brady was, was starting to be in that discussion, but he's been fired from Carolina too. So it's, it, it makes the idea of like a Pete Carroll or a Sean Payton, somebody who like, you know what you're getting there, even if it, even if there's, it's less sexy and exciting and brand new young up and coming type guy, but just like guy who has a ring, like, sure, absolutely. It's like, I, I can see the team opting a little bit more there. And that's, that's where I find myself going at this stage, but I, I kind of like to see how things play out the, the rest of the year, but I'm not, I'm not feeling great about where the team sits right now in that search. Matt Campbell, Luke Fickle, those are interesting names to me, but uh, I, I, under no circumstances do I think Chicago would actually do something like that. All right. We are going to move forward with the crossover coming up in just a little bit. Before we do, let's talk about our friends at On Location. Super Bowl 56 at SoFi Stadium is less than 100 days away. And On Location, the official hospitality partner of the NFL, is the only place to score a once-in-a-lifetime Super Bowl ticket and experience package. Select your exact seat. And choose from elite experiences featuring an exclusive pregame celebration with NFL legends, five-star L.A. hotels, and food by the great Wolfgang Puck, one of my favorites. Visit onlocationexp.com slash SB56 or search Super Bowl on location. Today's episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. They've got you covered all season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues to march to the playoffs and betting. Man, betting on playoff football is the best. It is absolutely the best. And Bet Online is your number one spot for all your sports action this season. I've got some futures out there that I'm hoping are going to hit in the playoffs. We will see. I have Green Bay at 13 to 1 coming into the year to win the Super Bowl. 
with a nice chunk of change that I, that I would get if, if that cashes. Head to the new updated desktop or mobile site and sign up today to receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive that bonus from basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC right to your favorite Las Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game starts. And I may or may not have had Matt Nagy for his coach fired. <laughs> well, you know, the Bears have never fired a head coach mid-season before. Made it a, a little bit of a long shot. But, hey, th this crossover Thursday continues here. Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears alongside Peter Bukowski from Locked On Packers. Two teams that have had quite a few injuries. I guess every team always has a lot of injuries. But it's, it's hit at some key positions for both of these teams. And we got to see Aaron Rodgers' toe up close and personal just a couple weeks ago before the bye week. Um, we know it's not COVID toe, which he made up on his interview with Pat McAfee, but I know that there was this debate of like, does he do like a quick surgery and try and recover over the bye week or just kind of let it heal that maybe the bye week would give him a week off? And what was sort of the, the decision that went in there? And, and I know it's still early in the week, but what do we know about how much that toe actually affects him on Sundays? Well, it hurts. It hurts a lot, according to him. Um, he said on the Pat McAfee show that he has consulted um, he got a second opinion in L.A. on it from Joe Rogan or a, a real uh, doctor. Uh, I, I don't have information on who it was exactly. No, it's actually been reported who specifically he met with. Um, I don't know if he has taken any more medical advice from Joe Rogan or any other podcast hosts. Maybe Locked On um, Packers might be able to I have, provide some advice. I have, I, well, I've offered some. I can't I can't confirm or deny that he's taken any of it. So we'll see. Um, but it, he he has said it's quite painful. Um he he's a guy that has played hurt plenty of times in his career. So I, I sort of, when he says, yeah, this actually really sucks um, to play on. Like we didn't hear all of 2018 about what really the injury was. And then at the end of the year, it turned out, he said it was a tibial plateau fracture. Paige Beckers, the UConn women's basketball player just had that. She's going to be out, I think eight weeks. And he apparently played on it all year and didn't say anything. So I don't think he says oh, my pinky toe hurts to get sympathy because of all the things that are going to hurt. Like the lamest is feels like your pinky toe, even though anyone who's ever had an issue with their toe, I broke my pinky toe once. It sucks. It <laughs> You realize how much pressure is on your pinky toe at all times um, if you have a situation like that. So um, I may or may not have had too much to drink and banged it on a sidewalk. Um, I, uh, how very Wisconsin of you. Oh my God! The most Wisconsin. I was I was running back from my car to double check that it was locked um, into the apartment. It just banged on the sidewalk. Um, it 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 hurts, but we haven't seen really any evidence on the field in terms of his play that it hinders him. Um, the closest um, came a couple weeks ago when Jordan Love had to do some kneel downs at the end of the half because Rodgers was going in to get it shot up, presumably. Um, he was he was going in with trainers. Um, I believe that was the Vikings game. So he's had a couple long runs since this apparently happened. Um, he he doesn't seem skittish in the pocket with his footwork. So it's hard to it's hard to say that that this is impeding his ability to play quality football in any way. Now, if someone falls on it, um, you know, maybe that's a different situation. Uh, he's never been someone who has to have his feet planted. See, he makes throws with no feet on the ground sometimes. So he doesn't, you know, I, I don't think you're worried about his weight transfer or anything like that. What he said was it's an injury that you'd really like to have two to three weeks off rather than just a week. 
And so he's not going to practice all week again. Mostly he's going to get treatment. And so that'll have, that'll have been, I mean, he hasn't practiced in over a month. Um, and that doesn't seem to have affected his sharpness because the last two weeks, especially, um, he's been incredibly accurate. He was downright surgical against the Rams, despite not practicing all week. Yeah, looking back at those last couple of weeks, you know, they, they lost to the Vikings, and, and last week against the Rams, you know, th- three turnovers from Matthew Stafford, definitely, including a pick six, definitely kind of helped uh, push Green Bay over the top in that one. But but in yeah. both cases, like, close games, and, and Rams obviously a, a legitimate contender, Vikings less so. What what has kept, how did they lose to the Vikings, and, and, and I guess why did it take three turnovers from Stafford? Like, where, where have the Packers been maybe vulnerable in those two matchups? Big plays. And it is something that they had avoided all season. They had been one of the best. They had been top five all season in avoiding explosive plays, especially through the air. And um, in the case of the Vikings, they got pressure on Kirk Cousins on, if we're rounding, 41% of dropbacks. That is a lot. And Kirk Cousins killed them killed their pressure and it wasn't just blitzes it was plenty of four-man rushes it didn't matter and and the game winning touchdown um essentially um or the game tying touchdown to to justin jefferson um came on third down on a blitz where darnell savage was a heat-seeking missile in his face and kirk just heaved it and and it worked and they they scored on a couple third downs they completed a couple long third downs it was a lot of stuff that I, I think in just in in broad terms with some variants, you don't expect a, a player like Kirk Cousins or any quarterback to play as well under pressure as he did. In fact, I think it was the best Vikings performance by a quarterback under pressure um, in the next gen sports era or something crazy like that. Like just just a little fluky, really. And, and, and the Vikings have really good receivers. Um, so, you know, that can happen. But you, it's just not a, you're not going to lose if, if you play the game like that 10 times, you're not going to lose you know, eight of them playing that way. Um, and then in in the case of the Rams, pretty similar. I mean, they controlled that game. The final score says it was close, but it wasn't. I mean, if Mason Crosby makes a 29-yard field goal, um, they win that game by double digits, and, and it's not a one-score game. It goes in the books as one. But it was two long touchdowns, one to Van Jefferson, where Chandon Sullivan slipped um, as the ball is arriving, just really unlucky, got his feet tangled. And then another was a double move um, to OBJ, um, on Russell Douglas, who got him back with a pick six. So um, it, it's really been just a couple big plays that have that have kept the defense from from really, really playing good football um, here the last couple of weeks. And and um, really since since week one, this defense has been top 10 in EPA per play. Um, that's even been true since Jair Alexander went down in week four. And and now it looks like there's a chance Jair Alexander could be back. Zedarius Smith could be back. Not not likely for this game, but um back this season and so that would that would elevate this defense even further yeah I was gonna ask does it tend to be the the cornerbacks there I mean those two against the Rams kind of added up but like because we think of Savage and Amos as being a solid safety combination and of course Campbell's been playing really well at linebacker for them so is it is it just sort of like one-offs by by the cornerbacks or is there a communication thing there is it structurally just like good play call against whatever the coverage happened to be on that play. Yeah, so for, in the case of Minnesota, a little bit of both. Um, they had a really great red zone package with Justin Jefferson in the backfield that the Packers just didn't have an answer for. Um, and and so, you know, you get you get Justin Jefferson on an angle route against a safety, a backup safety, in, the, in this case, Henry Black. Like, that's just toast all day against every team in the league. It's just a great play design. Um, 
they they went after Eric Stokes a little bit in the Vikings game on some levels routes where they expect him in in you know the Packers are a heavy zone team to um they were they were sneaking corners in behind him with stuff in front and so he's having to decide do I play up or do I come back and this is this is the same problem that that by the way that Chicago corners have to deal with in in the Sean Desai defense um and it worked right so they got Eric Stokes a rookie to make some rookie mistakes with some really nice play designs. The Rams were not able to do that. They went at Eric Stokes a couple times and there was nothing there. Um, they tried to do some similar things and the Packers handled it much better. Um, that's what you want to see from a rookie. You know, make make mistakes. You're going to make mistakes, but don't make them again and again and again. And so they, they have, as you mentioned, leaned on their great safety play um, to, to pick up the slack. When, when there has been issues, but they're not a team, even though they're a team that play a bunch of, of too high, they're not a team that gives their corners a bunch of help. They're not going to, going to run all of this like cloud coverage or like, um, you know, man coverage with, with a, with a safety to set to one side. That, that's just not really how they work. Although we did see it at times with the Rams. Um, the, in fact, the, um, I believe it was the Van Jefferson touchdown. They doubled. Cooper Cup and OBJ. <laughs> and so the safeties were both, they had both sort of come up to play um, this, this modified cloud. And they, they the Rams just had the perfect play call on it. And they had Van Jefferson on a deep over. And it's it's really Van Jefferson against space because at that point, there's just no one in the deep middle. Um, so that was, they just kind of, kind of got lucky, but you know, if the Packers are going to do that and they had, they had sent some help to Cooper cup side. Um, then, then, you know, you're able to get that stuff in behind, but they don't generally, they don't generally do that. Um, a lot. They're a very disciplined group. And so, you know, I'm, I'm interested to see against a team like Chicago, you know, who has, they have, you know, Allen Robinson when he, when he's healthy, he's a very good football player, Darnell Mooney. Um, you know, are, are they going to give any help? Or are they just going to stick in that two shell? We'll see. It's been a few weeks since Robinson has played. We'll see if he's going to be back. If not, just double Darnell Mooney. There's not going to be much else the Bears can go to at the passing game. Well, we'll dive in a little bit more to some of these potential matchups and give some predictions and all that more coming up next on this Locked On Crossover Wednesday podcast. This crossover is brought to you by our friends at Built Bar, the makers of the world's best tasting protein bar. And this holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar because they're all rich, covered in 100% real chocolate, and the flavors are just unreal. I particularly love the coconut brownie chunk. I've still been holding out. I got some in my, my pantry right now. I, I have to kind of limit myself to just eating one a day because otherwise... I will go through way too many. I mean, I, I could just throw those down because they because they do taste like candy bars, but they're somehow also delicious, but low in sugar, low calories, high fiber, and high protein. It is the best of both worlds. You get something that's delicious and healthy. I promise you will find a flavor you love. You'll find a lot of flavors you love. I, I know I have. I've tried pretty much all of them up to this point, and there has not been a single bad one yet. Head on over to built.com and use our promo code LOCKED15, and you're going to get 15% off your next order. That's promo code L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCKED15, for 15% off at built.com. All right, Lauren. So we we haven't really dug into the nitty gritty of this matchup much uh, so far. So let's do some of that. Um, if if you're looking at this from the Chicago perspective, 
That's what you're here for, right? Um, is there something where you're going, okay, if, if the Bears can do this, it gives them a chance to be in this game late and and whether it's have a chance to win or have a chance to make it close, whatever um, you, you think, uh, what is that one thing? You know, I kind of look at, at what uh, <laughs> what the New England Patriots were able to do to the Buffalo Bills on Monday Night Football, and I, I kind of like that idea. I mean, the Packers' run defense has been has been great this season, don't get me wrong, but the Bears need to be even more of a rushing team, and they were able to do that fairly well last week, and you know, they got David Montgomery going, and four interceptions from Andy Dalton kind of derailed whatever chance they had at mm-hmm. maybe trying to upset the Arizona Cardinals. But, I mean... That'll happen. That, that's, let's be honest. They didn't have much chance in that game either. But they did... I mean, they kept it maybe closer than I, I, I might have thought they did because they got Montgomery going in the running game and they, they sort of tried to stretch the field vertically and create some of that space to then, you know, check it down to Montgomery or the tight ends a little bit more. And, of course, they had a couple of passes go through the hands of receivers into the hands of defensive backs and then, you know, a, a batted pass at the line of scrimmage got picked off. Like, it wasn't as though Dalton was individually horrific. I mean, he wasn't good, but he wasn't he wasn't like as horrific as the stat line might suggest, but maybe we'll see Justin Fields and maybe that opens some things up a little bit more, but I, I want to see the Bears you know, stick with the running game. Even if the Packers start to start to, you know, clamp down on it a little bit more, you know, let David Montgomery kind of get things churning a little bit more. And even even when it's you know, like Matt Nagy's been so inclined to kind of abandon it, especially by the time they get to the second half, even when they're behind on the scoreboard. And I think that's the formula to just keep the ball out of Aaron Rodgers' hands. It's not necessarily a plus matchup to as far as like, you know, finding um, you know, the, the running game having that much success against a team that has stopped it pretty well. But I just think anytime you can keep Rodgers from passing it all all over your defense, because that's that's a really major concern for me, is this Bears secondary. Yeah, and and that was what I had in mind. When I asked you the question, I was like, this is I wanted to just say this is my concern because that that would be it is they're able to be efficient with David Montgomery, and then that opens up, you know, the play action. Um, because if they're not going to stick to the run, and this this is the thing, it's something that that I've talked about plenty on this show, is no, you don't need to have a good running game to have a good play action game. But teams need to think like there's a five percent chance you're going to hand the ball off. So if you get one of those modes where it's it's 50 throws for Mitch Trubisky, and in the second half, you're gonna you're just gonna sling it and you're just gonna, you know, your spread or your four wide or whatever. Play action is not working in those situations. Mm-hmm. You have to you have to keep some balance, even if it's not working, to be able to get to those play action looks. And in the games where the teams have been able to keep it close with Green Bay, it's been low possession number games where like three, four possessions in the first half, three, four possessions in the second half, long drives, eight minute drives. And you can do that against Joe Barry. He's going to he's going to give you the underneath throws. He's going to give you the checkdowns. He's not going to let you go over the top. And he is going to assume that you're going to have a dumb holding penalty or that he's going to create a sack or that a ball is going to go off a receiver's hands or they're going to create a negative run because Devondre Campbell shoots a gap. And now it's second and 12. Those are the things that they're banking on drive in and drive out to be a good defense and it has worked so far and, and the bears um, the bears are really good at all of those things passes through <laughs> receivers hands holding unnecessary sacks i mean they that, that's the thing is like even as the cardinals like it, it kind of felt like a lot i mean not that not to take anything away from the cardinals but the bears did a lot of beating themselves in that game with with those interceptions with those penalties with those things where it's like they did have they did move the ball fairly well against a pretty good cardinals defense and all things considered 
they did okay against Kyler Murray's offense, just the sense that he started three drives inside the 30-yard line. So, like, of course he's going to score touchdowns on those, and you're going to give up 33 points, and it doesn't look very good for the defense. But, you know, if if you take away a couple of those interceptions and make the Cardinals drive down in in that game, you know, all of a sudden you feel a little bit better about the defensive performance, and I think that that speaks to your point. Like, the the Packers are waiting for the other team to beat themselves, and unfortunately the Bears are a team that, that does that regularly this season. Yes. Um, and, and has been the case, unfortunately, um, for at least for them, uh, for a while now, there is also, you know, I think this question, because it doesn't look like David Bakhtiari is going to be able to play. Um, you know, Yash Nijman is going to be out there at left tackle. He's played, he's played well. I mean, in, in four starts this year and he's done it against the Bengals, the Steelers, the 49ers and the Rams. So not exactly, um, you know, our sisters of perpetual, perpetual sorrow. Can't even get off my own joke. Um, (laughs) They, he played some really good fronts and and held up. Um, so, you know, someone like, you know, if, if they had a full complement of pass rushers, I think this would be a little bit scarier for the Packers. The Khalil Mack injury is, is a big thing because Robert Quinn has been like really good. I, yeah. th- I thought the Bears overpaid for Robert Quinn. I thought that that single season in Dallas was sort of an aberration. It was the first year he had been good in, in a couple years. And he's just been he's just been great. And so. Um, that would be the one guy where it's like, okay, if you get if you get two sacks from Robert Quinn and one is a sack fumble, like all of a sudden you need to create some turnovers, you need a special teams play. And by the way, the Packers special teams has been hot garbage for like what year is it? Now. Like forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, since Craig Hentrick and Desmond Howard were playing in Green Bay. That's how long it's been trash. So um that would be the other thing um that would make me go. All right, well, if the Bears are going to do this, it's going to be because the defense creates, you know, it's going to be like the first half of um, Bears-Packers 2018 only instead of Deshaun Kaiser, it's Aaron Rodgers. And instead of Khalil Mack, it's got to be Robert Quinn. That, I think, makes it a lot less likely, but that would be that would be the thing that you're going, okay, This is if they're going to do it, this is how they would do it. One name I'll throw out there just to, to keep an eye on it in that in that kind of discussion is yeah. the, the man starting in place of Khalil Mack, Travis Gibson. He was their fifth-round pick last year, and... He's he's yeah. coming along. I mean, he, he's he's someone who that, he's made some plays. I've noticed um, in in watching and studying Chicago, like he he's doing stuff. And and I don't know, I did not know that name before it, I started looking down. I like pulled up the R lads thing, and I was like, who is this guy making all these plays? And and he's yeah, he he's someone that that I think is um, a, a potential piece for them moving forward. I, I, I like that. What what Lauren do you think is the ultimate outcome of this game? You know, <laughs> I don't think it's I don't think it's going to be great, but you know, I think the Bears will keep it somewhat respectable. I mean, we were we were worried in previous stage of the season that we were going to reach like 2014 Mark Tressman versus the Packers level of like mm. potential blowout, but I think the game against the Cardinals gave me enough enough to feel like okay, it's not going to be a complete like wipe the floor type of thing, but I still think, you know, double digits probably in that like the last game finished what 14-24, I I would probably go maybe a little bit worse than that, you know, like a 14-27 type of thing, a 13 to 13 to 24. I mean, something in that type of range where I think Green Bay will score and the Bears will maybe will find the end zone once or twice and, and maybe kind of get a late garbage touchdown to make it a little bit closer. But I, I don't feel like Chicago is going to have ever feel like they were really in control or, or fighting for much of this game. I think that's right. Um, I, I, I have been waiting for the ass kicking for the Packers this year. Cause I think they're a really good team. And I think I've said this over and over, if they're healthy, I think they're the favorite, but they're not healthy yet. And I don't, I don't think they're going to get healthy this week. That said, 
if they're a Super Bowl team, if they are a Super Bowl caliber team, they have to start beating the crap out of some of these these bad teams. And I know it's a rivalry game, and so you never want to go in saying, this is what I think is going to happen. So I'm not going to predict that that is going to happen, but I just need to have said at some point, they haven't done it yet. I believe they're going to do it to someone. And you mentioned the 20, I I was going to bring up the 2014 game because I was just like, if that happens, I'm not going to be surprised just because this is what happens in December, a team that's really not playing for much against a team that is playing for everything these things can get lopsided. And so um, because it's Packers bears out of respect for the rivalry, I'm not going, I actually don't think that will happen, but I I think it's on the menu. I think it'll be close ish and ultimate, but ultimately not close. So like 30, I think it's like 30 to 17, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I, I like that. Um, And it's like, you know, 27, 10 late in the game and they get a touchdown and the Packers get a field goal. And it's like, okay, yeah. So congratulations to everyone. And and the bears outscore them in the fourth quarter. And it's like, okay, cool. And then everyone goes on with their life. So that that's, I think, I think we're both on the same page with that. Uh, we'll, we'll both be back on our shows um, the rest of the week to keep breaking it down. Of course, we will be back next week to break down what happened on Sunday's um, and we, we want to thank everyone who makes Locked on Packers and Locked on Bears their first listen of the day. Your team and a cup of coffee, maybe a maybe a breakfast pastry, like some eggs. What could be better? I love it. Thanks to everyone. And we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. <laughs>